You're listening to the podcast from Barnabas Fund. Welcome to the Barnabas Fund podcast. And I'm joined today by Matthew Martin. Um, we've got no Angela. She's moving on to Pastures New and is leaving Barnabas Fund. Um, it's been lovely to work with her. She's been an extremely valued colleague and um, and her contributions to this podcast have been really valuable and I know um, appreciated by many of our listeners. Now we have got plans um, in, in, in terms of we're still going to carry on with discussing in the news. I think we'll have weekly guests and um, I hope um, listeners will appreciate all those guests over the coming weeks. Later on in the podcast, we're going to be joined by Hassan John, who is the Archdeacon of Joss in Nigeria and a great friend of Barnabas Fund and someone who's communicated on the persecuted church and 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 done a great work of communicating what people in Nigeria have been going through, particularly in recent years. So um, I hope you'll enjoy hearing from Hassan later and he will pray for us. At, at the end of the podcast, so Matthew, this week we are start. We've got two stories to discuss. We're starting with um, a story from France. Yes, uh, this is a new story about Christian leaders in France who have raised particular concerns about the impact uh, of a new bill, uh, which is intended to curb Islamist extremism and the impact that this may have on religious liberty. Um, the French Interior Minister Gerard. Domain, uh, Dominin said, we cannot discuss with people who refuse to write on paper that the law of the French Republic is superior to the law of God. Um, and uh, he also stated that evangelicals are a very important problem. Um, there's a, sort of a, we're a bit worried here about the spillover um, and, and how this bill is particularly going to, to hurt the Christian community and, and especially the freedoms of the Christian community. Um, France is very much moving to a more secular state. Um, and uh, unfortunately, this is isolating Christians. Absolutely. And of course, we, we you know, we, we you read, listeners will recognize that we're dealing with Christian persecution day in, day out. This is, you know, what is what happens in Europe is not is not in the same league as as what we are discussing. Nevertheless, Barnabas Fund has always had a concern for religious freedom. And, and that includes in, in Europe and quite often um, laws of this kind, which are drawn up to protect against terrorism, for example, can, can, can impinge on other liberties and freedoms, particularly um, religious freedom. And it is extremely concerning to hear that French minister state that evangelicals are a problem. Yeah, it, absolutely. You're completely right. It's important for us to have an ear to the ground to know the long term um, restrictions that this could curtail on Christians, you know, particularly um, evangelicals, the nonconformists, um, you know, activities of French churches and individual Christians within France. Um, you know, what happens in the future when when particular sermons, you know, are seen as, as maybe hate speech and then the authorities have the ability then to close down places of worship. Um, we're talking about uh, for up to two months, potentially, as this law brings in and also a bar on homeschooling for religious reasons. Now, the spillover of this um, is, is, is certainly very contentious and, um, and something that we need to pray for. And one of the impositions is a requirement for churches to apply to be re-registered, to be registered every five years, the monitoring of sermons as part of a crackdown on hate speech. You've mentioned um, the, a ban on homeschooling. And you've also mentioned the fact that um, authorities are allowed to close places of worship. 
This is there's a little bit of a reminder. Keen-eyed listeners will remember the the, the, the we were discussing a few weeks ago um, a proposed Danish law, um, which would have which would have allowed authorities to see sermons. Um, and see translated sermons. So that, you know, that, and, and obviously the intention was to catch Islamist inspired sermons. But actually, what, what the authorities would, would also catch are Anglicans yeah. preaching in Denmark. There are Anglican congregations who are using English. Um, and they'd also caught Lutherans in the Faroe Islands who are speaking a Faroese Danish. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, there are all sorts of you know, implications of laws like this. Yeah, I, the intentions, as you said, are there to to curb ex, um, extreme Islamic preaching. Um, but but yeah, the spillover is is certainly obvious, and it, and it has similar um, reverberations of what's happening in China. You know, some of these about shutting down um, churches, stopping homeschooling. Uh, these curbs are, are things that we've seen in more extreme countries where where Christian persecution is much more real. Um, the the bill was passed by 347 votes to 151 in the French National Assembly, um, and now it's due to be voted on the Senate by the Senate on the 30th of March. So do do hold this in your prayers. It's it's uh, an issue that I suspect, as we've seen in Denmark and France, that particularly will happen across Europe as uh, secularism comes in and and, and is eroding uh, Christianity. So we hope that this this doesn't happen and uh, we can sort of battle it with prayer. Now, moving on, we've also got another story on um, Armenia and um, the fact that prisoners of war have been suffering torture and mistreatment at the hands of Azerbaijani forces. Yeah, so um, the conflict between Armenia and Azerbaijan um, has sort of ceasefired now and it's sort of dropped out the news. Um, but uh, stories are emerging um, that Azerbaijani forces have been accused of inflicting horrifying torture and mistreatment on Armenian prisoners of war during the recent conflict in Nagano-Karabakh. Um, according to Human Rights Watch, um, the captured soldiers were beaten. They were they were tortured with heated metal rods and electric shocks. Uh, they were denied medical attention and prevented from sleeping and deprived of food and water. So these are these are sort of, um, in a sense, uh, sort of many war crimes that go against the Geneva Code of Conflict. Um, as as sort of the story emerged, it looked like Azerbaijani troops, which uh, began the invasion of Nagano Karabakh, in uh, in what the listeners know as the ethnic Armenian enclave. So this is a so sort of very complicated um, war, um, but uh, the, the, these conflicts have been sort of happening on and off for a while now. Um, the ceasefire agreement happened in November 2020, um, and uh, and as I said, these stories have emerged since. Um, also, is uh, another story that sort of feeds into this as well, um, in, in a similar vein, um, that Azerbaijani soldiers were also accused of war crimes against civilians during the conflict. Um, Armenian civilians from the area have recounted harrowing details of family members being killed while uh, while held captive by Azerbaijani forces, as well as the torture and abuse that they suffered while in captivity. Yeah, and and. Um, we're, we're also getting reports um, of the effacing of Christian monuments and vandalism of churches and destruction of, of, of churches in, in that region. So um, please, you know, keep visiting the Barnabas Fund website. You're going to hear more news about that. Um, and please also sign the petition that we have, which is um, calling upon governments from all over the world to recognise 
the um, Armenian genocide. It, it may seem like an historic event, but actually Barnabas Fund believes that um, the recognition of the genocide will lead to better outcomes for the Armenian people today. They are a discriminated and despised minority in the Middle East, and they, you know, and, and they have been constantly betrayed um, in the past and up to, up to the current time by you know, Western powers who have ignored their plight. Yeah. Absolutely. If we don't acknowledge the past, we're not looking forward to the future and, and uh, seeing how we can avoid the mistakes that we've made previously. Um, so, yeah, certainly do, do go to the website, the homepage. Um, you, can, you can sign up to the petition via visiting Barnabas Fund's homepage. Now, listeners will also be able to hear more about that initiative the, um, uh, 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 and the petition on the Armenian genocide and other aspects of Barnabas Fund's ministry on, at an event on Saturday, a Zoom event, I believe, Matthew. Yes, thank you, Andrew. It's it's not actually on Zoom. It's uh, being hosted on our website uh, via a, an embedded uh, YouTube video link. Um, you can register on the Barnabas Fund website. Uh, just just go to the homepage and you'll see a link there to register. It's happening at two o'clock, two o'clock um, to three thirty on Saturday. Uh, that's UK GMT time. Uh, but you'll be able to hear from Dr. Patrick Sugdeo, um and Caroline Kerslake and also our international CEO Hendrik Stall. Yeah, and if you're not able to make it live, presumably you'll be able to visit it on our YouTube site late at a later stage and probably through our Facebook page as well. Yeah, so so the same link on the website, uh, the, the recording of the event will be made available afterwards so you can, you can catch up. Excellent. Now, I, I, these events are extremely good, very informative, and um, I do encourage you to take part. So we'll, we'll thank you, Matthew. We'll be joined by a guest next week to, to, to discuss in the news. I don't know who it is yet. We'll line someone up by then. Um, but in, the, in, in, a, in a moment, we're going to be joined by Hassan John. Welcome to this week's Barnabas Fun podcast. And I'm joined by Hassan John, who is Archdeacon of Joss in Nigeria, a great friend of Barnabas Fund, well known, though, all over the world for his um, wonderful representation of the Nigerian church in the midst of persecution. Um, and um, he's been associated with a, with a number of initiatives. Um, in particular, I mean, a, a couple of years ago, Hassan, I seem to recall you were very involved with CNN when when they were tracking um, modern day slavery and trafficking from um, Lagos um, right up in, in, into in, in, into Libya. That's right. Yes, that must have been quite an interesting story to do, Hassan, wasn't it? I, I would say it was interesting after that, but um, you know, while we were doing that story, it was a little scary in the sense that um, I had to go to many of these um, nooks and crannies of the bushes in in, in eastern Nigeria uh, where, you know, the arrangements and the preparations and meeting these traffickers uh, who are shipping uh, unsuspecting, vulnerable, uh, particularly women, uh, you know, and, and indeed men uh, to, to Libya through the Sahara Desert and eventually to, to Europe. And it's it was, it was, it was, I mean, throughout that period. And soon after, um, because one or two had identified me, they went into my Facebook, got some pictures and started sending threats. But uh, I, I think we've, we got that story done. And I'm just so excited that we're able to do that. Well, absolutely. I, 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 was, I was just happy that we did that, yeah. 
I mean, that that really is that that route to modern day slavery is just a terrible, terrible thing, isn't it, um, Hassan? And also, I mean, I I know that you have been in the eye of the storm as far as um, um, attacks on Christian communities in in northern Nigeria, particularly in recent days by Fulani. Now, a, a, a year or two ago, you were you you and Baroness Cox, who's one of the patrons of Barnabas Fund, were was um, were, were 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 shortly um, were avoided a, a, a an attack by a matter of ten minutes, didn't you? That actually, just it was just a matter of uh, I think about three or four minutes when we when we escaped that ambush. Yes, and you know, unfortunately, uh, nothing much has changed since then till now. Um, we're still losing so many communities to the Fulani cattle herdsmen Islamic militia. Um, even just a couple of days ago, um, quite a number of villages, I think about two or three, not too far from where I am, were attacked by the Fulani uh, militia. I think um, if I just get a figure off my head now, uh, we've lost, uh, I think, close to about a thousand so far this year with Fulani attacks from the central region all the way down to the northeastern uh, villages and states. But unfortunately, again, uh, who's keeping the figures, who's keeping the counts, uh, really, nobody, because many just go unreported. Uh, our government doesn't seem to be interested in, uh, you know, tackling this, this, this tragedy headlong. So it's one of those challenges we're still facing. Much more so now that pastors and churches are being targeted uh, in kidnapping for ransom. Uh, because we still do have uh, about two other pastors that are still uh, they've been kidnapped and and some church church um, church workers too. Actually, in Kaduna State, I think almost an entire church uh, members of that church were surrounded and taken away by Fulani cattle herdsmen. So it's now becoming a very big franchise, unfortunately. And and this is not just. A, a conflict that you see in other parts of Africa between herdsmen and 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 farmers. This is the, this is the targeting of Christian villages, churches, and Christians in particular, isn't it, Hassan? Yes, and you know, unfortunately, this is what we've been saying right through this crisis that there is a connection between Boko Haram and the Fulani cattle herdsmen, uh, much more that uh, um, the, sect, the, the Boko Haram sect of Iswab, that's with um, Abu Bakr Shekau, had now affiliated with, with uh, Islamic State in West Africa uh, that has been operating in, in Niger and Mali in the Maghreb region with Al-Qaeda. So now what we seem to be seeing is just this strengthening of this affiliation. And because Boko Haram's initial uh, focus has been in attacking churches, attacking Western education, because they believe that uh, it was introduced by Christians and the church to Westernize Muslims and remove them from the ways of Islam. So we all, I mean, so invariably, uh, Western education has become synonymous with Christianity. So Boko Haram has taken on to that. And now that they have trained and have affiliated with the Fulani cattle herdsmen, at least our government has recently admitted that. Uh, so now you see that the targeting has consistently been on, on Christian communities. And if you look at the map anyway, of all the regions and the villages that have been attacked, they've predominantly been the Christian 
Middlebet region all the way to the northeastern part of the country. Uh, not many Muslim villages, except recently where we started having these attacks in Zamfara and Katina. But even then, has its own political undertone, which I, I don't think we have the time to go through that. But it's just a, a spillover of young Fulani men who have guns in their hands and they really, you know, are settling their little internal tribal fight between the Fulani tribe and the Hausa tribe. But otherwise, uh, predominantly, yes, I would say 70 to 80% of the communities destroyed are focused and targeted Christian communities in this area. Yeah, I mean, this is a real burden for Christian communities, isn't it? And 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 speaking for them, Hassan, how are Christians bearing up in that middle belt? Ten years down the line now, so that if you look at from 2008 uh, when to 2010 when, when the violence intensified and became totalized against the church, uh, it, it's been it's been frustrating. It's been very difficult. Uh, we have families that have not been in their, I mean, they've been displaced from their villages for seven to 10 years now, and they can't go back. So they have no roots. They can't go to any other community and be accepted. So that has become a major problem. You have a generation of Christian youth, children who have not effectively been in school for all that period of time. Apart from the fact that many of them, especially victims that have had an encounter with either the Fulani Hatman uh, predominantly and eventually with Boko Haram, many of them uh, are injured. I mean, they have scars on their bodies. Some have uh, amputated. They are disabled one way or the other. And so coming back to begin to live life, it has been very difficult. Uh, like I do have quite a number of widows now who are, have children, but they, they can't even go back to the farm to feed their children. So unfortunately, we are now raising a generation of Christian youths who are now beginning to think that the God that we serve has not been able to stop the tragedy. And so they are now beginning to go back to traditional African religion, which is now becoming very dangerous because what they are doing now is going to do some juju things to make them invincible so that they can, they can fight the Fulani herdsmen. Because they have asked churches to mobilize either weapons or kind of a militia to go after, uh, 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 to go after the Fulani cattle herdsmen, and the, the churches say, "No, we can't do that. We have a gospel of peace and love." So the young men are beginning to think that, well, the church just isn't interested. So that's the the, the problem that we are beginning to have now, you know, in 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 all these things. It, it's it's been very tough. Yeah, um, Hassan, um, you mentioned earlier the, the 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 roots of Boko Haram's opposition to edu- Western education. Um, now, one of the hallmarks of violence in recent years in 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 Nigeria has been um, kidnapping of school children, college students. We we you know the famous one is is, is Chibok. We we also. Um, we also know the name Leah Sharabu, who, who a, a, a young Christian girl who, who I think just right. um, was 18, wasn't she, but was taken a, a, a several years ago and is still in captivity and refused to renounce her faith, um, which yes. is very inspirational. But we in Mando, um, the, a number of students are still being, are still being held 
um, at, um, from a, a, a federal college of forestry mechanization. I, we That's understand right. there are a number of there are a number of Christians who are who are still being held. Is that right? That's correct. Actually, from from the video released by the herdsmen asking for ransom, uh, I think we can say that um, a, a, a majority of them are Christians. I think there's only from the video only two uh, females wearing their hijab that we can say are Muslims, and maybe one other person. At least we are able to identify them because um, it, it's easy for Nigerians to see who is a Christian or who is a Muslim there. Yeah, so. Yeah, that's correct. And um, so they are, they are now asking uh, the government the gov- for, for a ransom. Um, nobody's really saying exactly how much, but from from rumors, they're asking for 800 million naira. That's uh, about uh, about 800,000 or 900,000 pounds um, or some thereabout. Um, so yeah, that's the situation now. Uh, they They're still in captivity. The government has not said anything. Um, we, we, the, the Christian community is just is just praying. Yeah, yeah it's t- it's absolutely terrifying. Um, Hassan, um, can I ask you for some? Um, I'm going to ask you to say a prayer in a minute to end our podcast. But um, but firstly, can I can I ask you for some prayer requests? Um, our listeners, um, um, we are, are very much praying people and want to pray for the persecuted church. Could you um, give us some? Say three prayer requests. Yes, I think one of the burdens on our hearts is uh, Reverend, a prayer for the family of Reverend Polycap Zongo. He's one of the pastors that um, was abducted this time around by the Khalifa sect of Boko Haram, uh, tied to Abu Bakr Shekau. He's been uh, with them, I think, since um, sometime late last year or thereabout. Um, we've not heard anything about him. And uh, there are also a number of people that have been kidnapped in different Christian communities. Um, the families have, have been threatened to either pay money in, in the millions, usually nothing less than 10 million naira in the local currency. And many families are not able to, to pay that. Um, so that, that is a, an area for prayers that we, we are, we are, we are uh, requesting, you know, um, Christians all over the world to pray for us, but also um, the, the prayer again for the entire entire uh, challenges that the church is going through um, is to you know pray that God will will continue to give us the strength to to stand firm in this time of persecution, whatever the the plans are. Uh, unfortunately, I would say both from state actors and the Fulani cattle herdsmen that Christians are still able to stand firm uh, on their faith. And indeed, uh, I think for me and a group of pastors that we work with, we, we, want to pray, we want prayers that we continue to evangelize because what we're, trying to, what we're working on now is to mark some of these communities, um, even those that are under predominantly Islamic control and controlled by the militia groups, but that we're able to carry the, the love of Christ and his light into those communities. Because we believe that if we don't do that, then uh, we are not necessarily, I mean, we're not, we, we, we need to raise another generation of young men and women that are able to see the love of God demonstrated. So that we want to, we're praying that God will give us uh, the wisdom and uh, the protection and the capacity to be able to do that. 
And I will also invite um, our listeners to pray for your ministry, Hassan, and and also to pray for your um, very great Archbishop, um, Ben Kwashi, who's a, a very inspirational leader and is currently um, having treatment um, in hospital. So um, prayers for him, prayers for you and your family. Um, Hassan, I'm going to ask you to say a prayer now for the persecuted church and particularly focusing on, on Nigeria. Let's pray. Our dear Lord, we come before you, Lord, full of gratitude for the gift of life. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be called your sons and daughters, even in a very difficult time like this. Dear Lord, help us to continuously be the light and to continue to carry your word and to shine as examples of your sons and daughters in, in every area and aspect of our lives. Lord, help us to remove any bitterness, any anxieties in our hearts, and to continue to forge ahead, Lord, with that which you've given us. Dear Lord, we pray that you continue to strengthen uh, Christians in these areas, in, in, in these persecuted regions, that they continue to be true, Lord, to the to the love and the faith in which you've given each and every one of us. May we continue to be that the examples of who we ought to be. May we never disappoint you, Lord, and may we never disgrace you in uh, the responsibilities. And Lord, we ask that you we will see victory uh, by the empowerment of your Holy Spirit, that we will continue to overcome by the words of our testimonies and indeed by the blood of the Lamb that was shed on that cross. Thank you, Lord, for pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the podcast from Barnabas Fund. Like, subscribe, and check out our website at barnabasfund.org.